Hello, I'm Gilbert Clark. I'm the Executive Chairman of Reading Mining. We're developing the Cabasal Copper Gold project in Brazil, where we've just released our first PDA. Gilbert, uh, good to see you again. Uh, I saw you last week at the PDAC. Uh, how was that week for you? And I, I, I'm gonna, I know that you put out the, the good news of the PEA uh, right at the start of the week. So you probably had a better PDAC than, than, than some. But if you could give me a kind of a, a brief overview of that, that, that would be useful. Yeah, no, PDAC was pretty good. Um, as one of my shareholders said, we were the buzz of PDAC. Um, we've long communicated to our shareholders that we had something very special in Cabasal. We believe that the economics were incredibly robust. And by releasing the PO that was led by Asenka, very you know, very quality, high quality engineering firm, we delivered the numbers that we think were in line um, with the potential of the project. And uh, obviously there was a kind of a market response, your share price uh, pops up 15%, 20%, um, and big volume in the shares traded last week. Uh, any particular commentary on the market action? Yeah, look, we, we had traded over 11 million shares last week. I think we People realise that the um, the percentage of NAB now associated with Meridian is, is a lot of growth. Um, we have been, uh, we had. I guess you can say that the market was not was not expecting the results so early, um, but they came in just in time, and to have them lined up for PDAC was actually quite quite. Well, it was you know, our intent to get it out in March, but it came in earlier. And there was actually a slight delay in, in just doing some optimization, but it was good for us. I think the shareholders were happy. Um, it calmed down towards Thursday and Friday, but certainly when you look at the the MDV, the project, I think we're trading at I don't know twelve cents, twelve twelve percent of NAB as value of the project now, and I think there's an incredible amount of growth yet to come out of this project within the. Um, then the open pit potential cap itself with the greater valuation of the bill. Well, there, there are two aspects there. One is uh, how do you, well, we'll come on to this. One is how to reduce your discount to uh, the, the NPV. You know, your market capitalization is, as you, let's say, you 12% of the value of the, mm -hmm. of the NPV. And then the other is um, what is the ultimate uh, value of the project and again we can come on to that in terms of exploration and optimization and 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 how that how the project shapes up i it, it almost feels given the um given the, the 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 market was disappointed with the results in, uh, of the resource publication in september october last year and it's almost as if the market is surprised by the quality of the the asset or the, or the MPV or what the PEA is, is showing in terms of the development asset uh, here in March. So kind of over six months, it's gone from disappointment to surprise on the upside. Um, and mm. um, you, you, you've said to me that you've had a few questions about the CapEx, about um, the operating costs. So let's, let's go through those costs and let's uh, explain how confident you are about those operating costs and those capital costs because they, I think those are the kind of questions out there in the market at the moment. Sure, sure. I just, just in the first statement on the, on on the resource, we will need the resource. We identified straight away how up the Northwest Extension we had this high grade, some three and a half million tons of inferred indicated 2.5 grams of gold equivalent and what that meant to a financial model because when we identified that I was going, well, that surface is going to pay off the capex incredibly quickly. Now we find out it's 
some 11 months. And when you've got that type of front-end cash flow coming in at, at ridiculous costs in the first five years, you, your financial model is always going to be strong because that underpins the strength of the model. Um, and then, you know, our total CapEx build is 180 million US. Um, that is pretty much in line with capital intensity. Um, there's a few things we've, like, things we've been repeating. And I, I think people can now understand and, and value this, like simple things, geometry. You know, um, we mineralization that surface. We don't have, you know, one or two years of pre-strip. We go straight into mineralization. Uh, and that's really a key. Um, we used Brazilian mining metrics. We're not going to, you know, some people want to use the big core packs, the big 100 tonne trucks. We've gone with the standard um, 40 tonne haul packs, sorry, 40 tonne trucks. This is the standard operating parameters. And we're not buying that equipment. That's with the mine fleet, it's not actually our cost. That's not a capex. So that comes on the opex. Um, and then the final one, which is we've really been pushing, I've been telling people this time and time and time again is metallurgy. Because it is so simple, metallurgy, we don't need a complicated two or three stage grinding circuit. We don't need a complicated um, multi-cleaning circuit for the, for, the, for the flow sheet. We generate very quick flotation of the sulfides of the copper, um, gravity circuit. Um, only additional equipment that we put on is the um, dry stack tailings, uh, the filtration plant. And the, um, we did a very detailed study on the project uh, at finished end of last year. Um, and even there, we were able to reduce the, um, the contingency. We still had, a, I think, a 17 or an 18% increase in the cost of equipment. So the inflation was in there. But we actually did the uh, PA at the peak, what you say is almost peak inflation. So we expect some of these costs to come down um, as we come off the inflation curve. On on the recovery issues, I, I went through the um, the the news release on the on the on the PEA, and lots of good things. I see that there's 64% of the gold recovers in the gravity circuit. Um, I see that the majority of the sulphides is chalcopyrite, and so you get a clean concentrate. Uh, you get a copper concentrate. A couple of questions. Just, just out of ignorance, and I, I can't see the the full technical report isn't filed yet, so I can't see it. So these are just um, ignorant questions. I, I read the report, I read your kind of news release, and it shows it kind of talks about kind of getting eighty seven percent gold recovery, and yet I think in the model you're using ninety percent uh, gold recovery, um, and it also talks about some gold being in the pyrite concentrate, but the you haven't modelled the value of the the pyrite concentrates. You've just valued the gold in the in the in the copper con so i just wonder kind of how that all ties up oh, okay well it just what we do is we actually strip out 30 percent of the um the gold through the gravity circuit the balance goes into the copper concentrate um the pyrite surface it, it, what goes into the tails is literally i mean it's, it's nothing um we actually see a variation in gold recovery which, and this comes out of the um, the flow sheet. Um, it, I think life of mine is 87 up front can be 90% um, for the higher grade zones. Um, the copper concentrate is quite consistent in its recovery and also for its grade. So all these things are adding up to us are just you know, continual positives 
that go into the financial model. We don't have this dramatic drop off in recovery with grey, which is, and we've talked, uh, that's actually in one of our presentations, we talk about this, what we call the flat um, grey recovery curve, which is a great benefit for the project. So um, even at lower grades, you still get good recoveries? Oh, yes, yeah. look, I think it's, and it's incredibly simple flotation. So we, we at 0.1% copper, I think we're already at about 90% recovery on the copper. At uh, 0.17 grams per tonne gold, we're at like 81%. Um, when, and the other thing about that is incredibly quick. Now, and that again, that comes into your OPEX. And if it was a very slow flotation, took a lot of time, and it might need a lot of regrinding and so forth. Well, that adds to your capex. So what we do is simply it's just a frother, some xanate. Um, total flotation time is about 26 minutes to get all the copper out. So from when you put the ore, the mineralization, the mineralization over the grizzlies into the jaw crusher, goes through the, goes through the semi-autonomous grind of the sag mill, takes it down to 200 microns, goes into the flotation cell, goes to the rougher circuit, we regrind that at 45, makes it nice and clean, high grade concentrate, and then we start stacking the um, copper concentrate. That total time is only about one hour. So again, this impacts your OPEX and it impacts your capex particularly on the capex because we're not seeing a lot of recent recycling of, of the material to get that optimum recovery and this is what drives down the capex and this is what i'm sort of getting at it's when you've got something so simple so soft i mean it's bond work index is 11 for memory you don't need big impact the sizing of the equipment yeah yeah absolutely um and that actually leads me on to the next question I, I mean i was a bit surprised to see a kind of a 22 year mine life i'm normally um, you kind of get optimum paybacks somewhere between eight and 12 years, you know, particularly on a cash flow basis, your future on an APV basis, your, your future, um, uh, cash flows and from years 10 onwards contribute almost nothing to the value of your NPV. So on an NPV basis, you kind of, we want a shorter, um, a shorter mine life. Um, I, I, I know. I, I can see it in the optimization recommendations, but I'm just surprised that you chose that as a kind of a first first approach. Well, again, you have to look at, when you do your, your PEA, you've got to design what can you, a, a small cap junior, get finance through the conventional project finance bank. So we settled on about 2.5 million tonnes. We thought it was going to cost X. It's coming quite close. That's an achievable financing. But what, one of the reasons that was just slight delay in publishing the PEA is we wanted to have confidence on what was the mine schedule to take it up to say four million tonnes in year five, shorten the mine life down to 16 million, oh, sorry, 16 years. And that's what we did. So this is where we know that when we shorten the mine life through upgrading the planting, say year five to second process, we're going to optimise that study makes a big difference but what we have to remember in all this and this is where i think there's going to be tremendous growth in our in our future mpv and the, the, the nav is that this was based on the database that was closed off in august of last year so all that drilling that's come in that we've published we had to be that um where we've infilled and hit high grade more high grade like 205 or we've hit high-grade mineralization in areas that were inferred, that were moving to indicated, or when we've hit areas which are actually don't, they're not in infer, indicated or inferred. So we're going to produce more, more metal into that 
block model, which is only going to improve the overall economics. It's it's the, the positive capital has tremendous upside even now in the future economics. When we last spoke, which wasn't so long ago, you were talking about Cabasal Northwest Extension, or uh, is it CNWE or CEW, mm. Cabasal Extension? North, anyway, the, the, that, yeah. that bit. Um, and is there quite a lot of that which isn't in this? A lot of the drilling in the Northwest Extension, so we have a bias in the historical, in the, in the database, to 70% of our historical drilling, um, and that's all vertical drilling. So that vertical drilling, everyone knows now, that vertical drilling does not define the high-grade gold overprint. So, and now what we're seeing is as we infill that um, areas that are dependent on the historical vertical drilling, which are creating this undercore, we can have stupendous changes in, in grade. I mean, um, 205, the highest grade interval, there was some 70 grams gold within a, a copper gold system. In the adjacent vertical hole, 10 metres away, yeah, I think the highest grade was about 1.65 grams per tonne. So what you're going to see is um, more metal going to the block models. You actually have higher revenue because you, you, we're, we're, we're judging today's PA, which is fantastic, on a resource that we've actually improved since then. Okay, gotcha. Um, and, and again, when we spoke... Uh, a few weeks ago, you were talking about that infill program, the kind of the angle holds, the getting the drill density up to lift your your average grade. So mm. that's really what you're kind of harking back to. So the the the, the closer yeah. spaced drilling you do, the greater value per ton of the resource that you're doing. So it's it's interesting, isn't it? So you you take the inferred resource, convert it to the measured and indicated, and with it, you've 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 got this uh, expectation based on experience that. The grades are going to lift. Absolutely, and and we, we we can see that when we compare even the historical underground drilling, which was this fan drill, and the adjacent vertical drilling from the, from the historical times, we can see a dramatic difference there. And our QP, um, we did the resource, he flagged that and said, look, there is a there is a bias towards this vertical drilling in the database, and that's why we we went through that um, process of infilling. And I, don't, I think there's a lot more to come out of this deposit. I, I, nowhere do I think that the, the internal grade has been set. I see a lot of growth, um, and that's going to have a fantastic effect because we can further increase the, the shallow open pit, starter pit with more grade, more tonnage. That's only going to further improve the overall economics of the project. So we, everyone's valuing, I guess, looking at targets, some say 30 35% of NAV, that's based on the resource that is largely improved. So <laughs> there's nothing but upside. So um, now it comes to how, how, how do you think that um, step change in valuation is going to come? Is, are you just going to, um, is, is it a marketing exercise or, are, or do you see that there are some kind of um, key milestones that you as a company need to deliver in the next, during the course of 2023? Um, you know, what, what, what's the plan? Oh, look, it, it's, we have to strongly market the economics of the project. Um, there is, I, Merlin, I don't know about you, but I could not find a comparable. Um, we also have just say this is one of, you know, one of many de uh, deposits. It's the most advanced deposit in the belt. And we've got other, other like the, the future resource we're going to do at St. Helena, we come to drill that, that'll be included. And that's smaller, but much higher grade. And then we have additional copper and gold projects along the belt. So 
it's, it's it's a really interesting scenario for people when you come to this. You look, well, you've now validated something that a lot of junior companies you know, never really do. They essentially they mine the market. What you've got is the entire belt known, defined, and they've proven the very strong economics of the independent of the of the key asset, which is the Cabasal open pit. So the longer term upside of this belt, it's not going to be financed out of out of you know expensive equity. It's going to be financed out of net free cash flow because we go. This is an ungeared, ungeared um, financial model, and at the moment we're going to net free cash flow after you know eleven months, which is even more important because under that model we can actually then do the upgrade through cash flow. It's a really interesting. Scenario: The value creation event that we did last week, still coming to grips with the market. Um, some good valid questions on on the on the capex and the opex, but these are pretty standard parameters for Brazil. So, so you you you, you feel as if you've done a um, a pretty solid Brazilian benchmarking exercise, and the the figures are low because of the the, the lease operated on the on on the mining uh, for the cash for the cash costs and the simplicity of the metallurgy, essentially reducing pipe work uh, within the plant. Exactly. And the other thing that we've also avoided, we've been in Brazil for a number of years now. So what we did is look for local manufacturers and that reduces your, you know, if you're going to be in big Caterpillar trucks from America, well, you're going to pay 50% tax on top of that. So any equipment you bring in, unless you get on a rare occasion an exemption, you're going to pay 50, 60% tax on that, which is CapEx. And we're building everything. We're using standard parameters. Um, you know, like I said, simple things like 40-ton trucks in Brazil, they're as common as common. They're built in Brazil, they're, so the spare parts are there. Um, there's trained people to use them. It's, it's a different scenario of operating in Brazil. This is why it is one of the, you know, the main mining centers in the world now, because they've got cheap power, and we can go to that after. And their industry is set up to be low cost. We're not in the high-cost Nordics or high-cost Western Australia. We're in a low-cost operating environment. And what we've been able to do is leverage our knowledge and our knowledge of our engineering firm, Asenko, to ensure that our capex is also low-cost. I think that's a, a really interesting point, that, that you raised, because um, if I only really understood uh, Brazil a bit better once I lived and worked there for a couple of years. You know, it, when, when, you, when you see Brazil from the outside... It's just another mining country. But when you're in it, because it's so geographically large and because there's such a uh, such a language barrier, so few people speak English and so few other countries speak Portuguese, that in a sense, it's kind of a, it's a world and universe in itself. And it's it, because it's got this homegrown mining industry. Uh, they do everything internally. You've got consultants, you've got uh, the, the a full service inside brazil it's 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 it really uh took me aback when i was living there how self-sufficient and how self-reliant that country is we've taken that to the next step like aside from aging our ceo the entirety of the team is brazilian and for the key contracts i mean like the open pit modeling the open pit costing that was g21 which is an established and known technical service provider in brazil for the last a couple of decades. Um, Isenka have got a major office here. I think they've been involved in the last three mine builds in Brazil. So we're dealing with real-time 
costings, real-time um, processing, real-time activity in Brazil, and that just strengthens what we brought to the market. We didn't try to extrapolate what's the cost out the back of Western Australia or operating in the Nordics and their very expensive costs. What we looked at is full taxes, so the first 10 years we were in the Sudan tax, uh, which was a nice break for us. Um, and then we're looking at what's the cost of labour, the cost of diesel, cost of power. Like, I can't stress, and we've talked about this a number of times, we, we use, I think, 7 cents kilowatt power, hydroelectricity, sustainable renewable power. It's actually able to do contracts at 4.5 US cents a kilowatt when you go to the open market. And that's just local knowledge. So we really leveraged out last, the company's been there since 2014, I've been there since 2018, brought the maximum amount of Brazilians into this study. So we didn't regenerate what the actual cost is going to be. And, and this is why Brazil is such a hot M&A, because their costs are reasonable, their laws are very practical, and you can get things built, you can deploy capital and really create wealth for shareholders. Some of the laws are practical, some... <laughs> Some of the laws are a nightmare. Their their labour law and their tax law is a it's a pig. But um... oh, they're complicated. Yeah, they're complicated. But we have our own in house. We have an in in house labour lawyer and, and management of that. So we and we don't. That's nothing. When we did the restructure, we kept all of that management team together, and that's why we've been so successful. We didn't create an execution team. We had that team ready to go. And now this is the benefit of those decisions that date back to 2019. Yeah, good. Uh, another question for you is, is you only published NPV5 and 5% um, discount rate for, for mining projects and, and junior mining is, is quite a conservative, or rather it's a um, low risk approach. Did you not, um, and, and particularly with your numbers looking so good, did you not think that kind of an NPV8 uh, was a better number to include? Or, or, and what does an MPV-8 or an MPV-10 look like? Well, we, we chose MPV-5 because we're using sort of what our peers were using in, in, the, in, the, in the small cap market. Um, we used five-year banking, five banking consensus on the commodity, so 359 for, for copper and 1650 for gold. So we're nearly 200, 200 an ounce below current spot. I mean, if we run it at, say, MPV8, the IRR still stays at 58.4 uh, on the base case. The, uh, I think the, sorry, the IRR, the MPV goes to 443. It's still incredibly robust. Um, I think the payback goes to like 11 and a half months. And if we use the spot price um, at MPV8, I think you could go to what we used in the, in the press release. It goes to, I think, 580. Uh, MPV at 69.7 IRR. And these are, what's interesting about that is when I run these same numbers, the same rate, rate runs spot 10%, doesn't make any difference. The real figure that I look at, which I don't actually have in front of me, is like an approximation, is when you run these things at say 1350 gold and, and $3 copper, because that's where your banking finance is going to stress test it. And we still come up with one point, I think one point two or something, top to MBV to capex at that very low low prices. So even when you stress the model by stressing when you're using really low prices, high high discounts, it's incredibly robust. Robust. And we'll, when we go to do our update on our presentation, we'll put some of these numbers in there for people to compare it. 
Um, but it again, our numbers are robust, but this is on the database that includes all the drilling since August. So there's going to be some really strong numbers come out of this going forward. Good, thank you. Now, I, I, I um, when I looked at the, the the headline numbers, I saw that your commodity price choices were low, um, but I also saw the MPV was low. And I, I thought when I saw those high IRRs, you know, fifty-seven percent and sixty-nine um, percent, is it for the other for for, for the spot um, version? Um, yeah. Seventy um, percent, sixty-nine point seventy, a seventy percent IRR. I mean. That's 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 really super. Um, so 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 what now in terms of the your your technical activities for the rest of the year? We're, we're at the end of Q1. Um, where your uh, I see your drill rigs and your previous news release. You know you're drilling to the C. You're moving your drill rigs to the C2 trend. What um, and you, you're going to continue to de-risk and reconfigure and advance the Cabasal open pit study. But can you just kind of explain? how much of your drill budget is going there and how much of your drill budget is going in exploration elsewhere and what other kind of milestones you'll be looking at during the course well, of the year? Well, actually, we've got one rig down at C2C, down at what we call the mine corridor, you know, as part of 11 kilometres of upside, upside, upside. We've got one rig at the moment doing an infill program. Um, there's other, in the technical advance of the project, one of the things that we have noticed um, in the optimization of the, of the open pit is... I, I, my feeling is there's still some we can steepen the batters of the pit, steepen the ed, the design of the pit, which will further reduce the the strip ratio. Uh, so we're doing some geotechnical work there. Um, it's looking when I look observe the the geometry of the host geology. That's very interesting for a slightly steeper pit wall, which will increase the um, the, the, the oh, sorry decrease the strip ratio. We're also going to do a bit of an optimization. Uh, on the ultimate throw, throughput of the pit. That's a study that we are going to do for us. Um, one of the things there that in that two to one strip ratio, we've also included some, I think there's some approximately 30 million tonnes of sort of mineralised, low grade mineralisation that we think what we're doing the op optimization is move that across to um, end of mine. So it'll take, that will actually come out of the, the waste rock ratio. There's also another I'm going to reach, I think, some 27 million tonnes of unclassified material within the open pit. So that we have to sort of drill out these areas that are unclassified, introduce, you know, metals, just think it's the, the copper and the gold as dollars. We're going to introduce more dollars into the open pit, which will actually have a, quite an interesting effect, as we've discussed before, of increasing the value of the asset. Um, we'll split on our exploration budget. Um, we're looking at a couple of things. We'll still have one rig going across um, to C2C. Uh, we'll be expanding some of the, uh, when we get the, um, the go-ahead from the authorities, we'll put some work into the Al Alamo deposit in the Alvaro um, project. They'll both be copper anomalies. Um, we've also got the ongoing um, project in Espagol, which I think will update the market in the coming weeks. There's a few key dates there that I'm just holding off. Um, no, so we've, we've been quite, we've always been a very thrifty company. Um, I can't, I don't know about you, Merlin, but we certainly benefited from the historical database, but to do a two million, over two million ounce gold equivalent deposit at $3.50 an ounce, you don't get much more thrifty than that. Is that the discovery cost? Um, and um, how much, how much drilling have you done um, on this? Just, just as a kind of a, a 
as a oh, thought. Gosh, we must be up to over, maybe approaching or past 20,000 metres now. We've done a fair bit of drilling on it. Um, there's been a little bit in the, like we did, we discovered the C2A copper, uh, gold and silver um, system. We have to follow up on that eventually. Um, most of the drilling, I'd have to say, probably 90% of the drilling has gone into the Cabasal deposit. It's open to the northwest. Um, it's open down dip. It's open to the southeast. Um, you know, we, we have a lot of, within the, I think there was 75,000 metres of historical drilling just within the Cabasal deposit, of which there was probably um, 10,000 metres that we couldn't actually use in the resource calculation just because um, there, we didn't have the, the downhole, so, or the, the actual drill collar coordinates, we didn't have the orientation of the drill holes, or we just didn't have the assay sheets. And we know we've published that in the past, there's some interesting areas there to be infilled. Um, so we'll probably target some of those areas, and that, that could be quite prospective. Um, so there's a balance that we're looking at, continue to improve. The, the, the very robust economics that we presented last week on the PA, and also demonstrate, okay, this is, we're actually now going through the process of validating a complete district. And the value on that is, I think, is astronomical. And uh, what's, your, what's your cash position? Uh, always, uh, we're coming up to the end of the quarter. Uh, we started the quarter at about um, eight and a half million in the bank. We, we've got a, we're fairly, no, we're not a, we don't tend to throw money about, um, so we're quite, the exact cash on hand, I can't tell you because I have no. to go for what the quarter is. No, that's fine. December thirty first to eight Yeah. Uh, Canadian. Yeah. yeah. Um, good. And we're, we're, we'll, we'll, when it's timely, we'll look to do a, a capital raise sometime in the future, but I can't see one in the immediate future. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Um, and what's your shareholder register looking like in terms of um, kind of institutions? What, what, what's, the, what's your kind of deep pocket support you've got? Uh, we've had really, we've had a couple of meetings with our shareholders. Um, we have uh, our largest shareholder is a gentleman out of London. Um, he's very happy with the results. We've had good responses from institutional shareholders. I would have to say that we must be nudging over 50% between um, main shareholders, institutions and management. And then we have a very, um, uh, we have a great retail investor base. They've been there with the company for a long time. Um, we do we keep delivering value back to them. I think my, I have to say, I think some of my retail investors that have been there since the start are becoming some of the best, the best informed um, shareholders that any public company can have. So you've got to take the time to walk through and explain to them, okay, this is this is the scenario you have. How does it get impact your investment? You know, how we get how do we grow your investment? So we we do a lot of I mean, backwards and forth all the time with our shareholders. Yeah, no, no, I agree. <laughs> um, never underestimate a, a determined retail shareholder for digging out information on a company. Um, oh, exactly. That's that's my job. You know, I'm paid to do that. So you just this is this is the. You know, if I've told other shareholders, if you ring up or email your CEO, your executive chairman, and don't answer back, just sell your stock. They're not doing their job. Um, good. And uh, so, so what's the news flow going to look like? I mean, is it going to be kind of regular drilling updates? Is it, um, you know, have you got a, what's your plan that you can speak to? Um, well, you know, we'll, I think over the next couple of weeks, we'll let the, um, the market settle and let people appreciate and buy the stocks. Um, I think we'll 
update on the on the drilling in Cabasal, uh, both in the open pit and perhaps also the the belt scale. Um, I think we'll look to launch and inform the market that we're going to do a short optimization study prior to going straight into the next stage, which will be a feasibility stage. Um, there'll be an update on Cabasa, on uh, Estagon. That's quite key. So I see a JV partner published that they should have some results on the Arachimus tin project, which is interesting. We've got a residual holding in that. Sorry, sorry. But, um, no, it'd be constant news flow. I'm sorry, Gilbert. Um, Est- Estagon, sorry, um, just kind of um, refresh my memory, please. Estagon, Estagon, or Estagon, was, uh, it's an um, OCG project up in Rondonia. And at the moment, we're doing a um, fairly detailed um, gravity survey. We're quite pleased with the initial results that we published in the market. Good. Um, and there was another project. So um, uh, how far away is, is the Alvaro and the Alamo um, uh, kind of set up? They're, they're, they're at the extent of the belt. So they're not within what we call the core 10 kilometre radius from Cabasal. They're approximately, uh, I'd say that uh, Alamo is probably 12 kilometres from, from Cabasal and then um, Alvaro is 20-25 kilometres to the south or 20 kilometres to the south. It's all within the same belt. Look, I, I, as we've said since the very start of this, this journey on Cabasal, Cabasal was such a big, you know, the open pit was such a big bullseye, so low risk, focus on it. And it's been very successful, you know, the economics are fantastic. Is it the biggest deposit in the belt? I don't know. I just, I, I just don't know. Um, Al, Alvaro is looking very interesting. Uh, Alamo, sorry, Alamo. Alamo is looking very interesting. It's like, um, we've, as we've stated, it's looking at some kilometres of conductive trends, prospective host rocks. Um, internally, within the mine corridor, we're finding additional Anomalies at like the St. Helena is a 1300 metre gold anomaly that's never been followed up, but it's been trenched and drilled. It's, this is the validation. And we, at the moment, we, we're going to get a, I think we're growing a revaluation on our NAB in respect to the PEA. That doesn't take into context the value of the overall belt. So when you've got something that's more than likely or potentially going to be multi decade of net free cash flow supporting development of the greater belt, I mean, the value of these things, just they just don't exist today. And this is what we, we have to work with and communicate to the market. Good. Well, that's why you're here. That's why you're talking to me. Exactly. <laughs> Great. Um, Gilbert, um, congratulations. Really, really great results. That PEA, um, um, pretty, some pretty special numbers. Um, thank you very much for giving me the update. And I look forward to seeing how you get on during the course of the year. Absolutely. Thanks for the time. And um, as always, if anyone's got a question, just go to info at meridian.co, come straight to me, and I'll do my best to reply. Thanks again.